Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate begin a new season talking about the things we do in church. Today we're talking about the Eucharist or communion. What is this strange meal and why is it so important in the life of the church? So we hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? Going well, Nate. How are you doing? I am doing good. I'm doing good. I, uh, man, just been enjoying uh, this February. I got a new puppy. That's big news. Yeah. It's been yeah. a while since we talked. So. It has It has been. I've seen, I've seen pictures of the, of the tiny puppy in your, uh, yes. on your, on the gram, on your Instagram. You may ask, who is that girl? And I would say, it's Jess. <laughs> just just that, Jess, huh? The, that uh, is her name. Okay. All right. I get a yeah. Zoe. Is it, is it Zoe Deschanel? Is that who played? Yeah, that's girl? that's who with the actor that played Jess on the show New Girl. Uh, so, New yeah. Girl. Yeah, that's the image. So Nathan has a dog named Winston and a cat named Ferguson, because on the show, Winston <laughs> has a cat named Ferguson. Okay. So we kept it going, and we we had a girl dog, and we named her Jess. She's a mini Aussie doodle. And let me tell you something. It's a responsibility. I'm not yeah, going to say it's like a child, but it's the next best thing. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I say that whenever I first saw it, like Shelly held up her phone and said, I guess – the cook's got a new, a new dog. And I thought, Oh, I hope Duke didn't die. You know, I thought we wouldn't get one until Duke died, but my wife wanted this little mini Aussie deal. That was the breed. She said she had always wanted Mm -hmm. our daughter-in-law works at a spay and neuter clinic. Breeders come in there, happened to have some that she was, she had sold the rest of the litter and was trying to get rid of a couple more. And so we said, if she's there, actually, we we're looking at a boy first. We said, if he's there, um, when, the, when she comes back next week, we might think about it. But the boy was sold. Somebody else was supposed to get the little girl because we thought she was really cute from the get go. And the person who was supposed to get her was a friend of ours, decided not to get a dog. So we ended up with the little girl. Okay. Well. And she has become our church dog. <laughs> she comes to church every Sunday. Yeah. She greets people in the lobby. She uh, goes to kids' church. And this week, some of our kids were like, we had voting after church, which is usually we do our kids' church right after our big service during our connection class hour. And the kids were disappointed that they didn't get to go see Jess. That Jess they had to was sit not in there. and vote. <laughs> how, how boring, boring is that oh so boring so boring this this week at at uh wayfinders on sunday morning we um you know just speaking of things that happen at church um the there was a young 
a young man. He's four uh, years old and uh, his name is Hunter. And he decided that he was going to bring all the kids at Wayfinders a balloon. And so he had them gold balloons That's tied awesome. off with a string and he brought just this herd of balloons. And I saw him walking in and, and uh, I was in the parking lot and I just saw him walking in and I didn't get a chance to ask. But when I got inside, there he was, he was going to every kid and he was very happily. He doesn't hardly speaks. He's a very quiet kid. Um, That's so cool. And he's just handing everybody a, uh, a balloon, handing all the kids a balloon. And so you can imagine our, our foyer, which we meet in a gym. So the whole thing's a foyer. Um, right. But it was just chaos with children running yeah. with balloons. And uh, so if I was smart, I probably would have said, you know what, instead of me preaching, uh, we're just going to have a party hunters in charge just this morning, play with balloons. And we're just going to run and play with balloons, but um, been awesome. Yeah. That crazy. You know, there's always fun things happening at church. Sometimes there's not fun things happening, but I like it when they're, when there's fun things happening. So it was a good, it was a good Sunday. We didn't have a tiny dog to keep everybody occupied, but uh, maybe yeah, I need Jess to think about become- that. The church dog. She yeah. is the church dog. And I kind of want to make fun of you for your little backpack that you carry her in, but I'm not going to. So, <laughs> yeah, I fo- posted that picture. So we borrowed that backpack from Nathan and Kobe, and I don't know if they're going to get it back because Jess loves it and she <laughs> likes to go everywhere in it. It yeah. looks like a space like helmet kind of it's clear and she can breathe out of it. It's really cool. So. Yes. Or really nerdy, one of the two. Um, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I imagine you get some mixed responses on wh- whether or not that was cool. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that happen at church, segue. <laughs> we're back for a new season. Yeah, we are. Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to talk about: is things that happen at church. Things that happen. We do ch- ten episodes. We've never done this before, but we're going to put out a season of ten episodes. There you go. And the 10 episodes are going to all be things that happen at church. Does that sound good to you? Uh, yes. I, and I imagine that we will, there won't just be 10 things that happen at church, but uh, we, we, they'll fall in 10 categories. There, there will be like there, the, and there the dogs and the balloons are outside about, of any of those categories. <laughs> yeah. Some fun things that happen outside of those 10 categories. Uh, yeah. Will probably be the most entertaining part of this because things, a lot of things happen at church. A whole lot of things happen at church. So, yeah. So a lot of things happen at church and uh, yeah. So we're going to try to just do a season still unscripted. I like the unscripted nature of our talks because we just kind of play off of each other. I am a, a little bit of an improv person myself. I don't know if you heard about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've heard some I'm stories. going to improv tonight, actually. So yeah, you're almost done yeah. with well, your improv class yeah. is about to come to a close, isn't it? Last one tonight, and then we have our showcase on Saturday. Nathan has his on Friday. Actually, we have ours on Friday. Nathan has his on Saturday. So it's asking a lot of our friends to pay for two nights in a row. I wish they would put us on the same night, uh-huh. but we couldn't arrange that. We weren't really in charge of it, but it's like 12 bucks a night. Woo. So I told him, go to Nathan's because his will be funnier. Yeah. Ours is more serious. It's like more character acting with some funny scattered in. Okay. I don't know if we're very good at it yet. We're still learning. Like this is level three and level four is kind of a continuation of level three. So, so we're at the first half of it, but it'll be fun. We have fun with it. So is this like a yeah. Francis Tuttle class? What, what, where is the class? No, it's at the Oklahoma city improv 
here in the oh, city. Oh, it's at a theater. Okay. All right. Cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, there's instructors there and they teach all different levels. And then they do shows on the weekend. Every weekend there's shows at OKC Improv with people that are a little more seasoned than us. And then once a semester, they have these student showcases. So for a weekend. So that's what we're doing this weekend. And I'm excited about it. It'll be a lot of fun. So, yeah. So this is, you know, our talks have always been improv because we just throw out a subject and we just go with it. (laughs) Yeah. We're pretty good at playing off of each other and not talking over each other too much. We do a little bit. A little bit sometimes. The uh, I've had lots of people ask. They say, uh, so do y'all talk about the things you are going to talk about before you talk about them? And uh, it reminds me of a line from Inherit the Wind, which is a, a play about the Scopes monkey trial. And um, and one of the characters actually says, I, I don't think about things that I don't often think about. Um, but uh, <laughs> so so a lot of what we we talk about here, we we just call each other up and start talking about it. Uh, sometimes yeah, we may say, hey, let's talk about this this week. Yeah, sometimes we, I don't have we have interesting conversations that start before the recording starts and we say we probably should have pressed record sooner. Um, and then or we're not even recording for that day. And we just happen to be talking and we're like, <laughs> we're just, why didn't we record this yeah, one? This one, this, this should have been a recording. We said some good things here. Um, should have been a podcast. Yeah. Or, or we said, I don't know that we say good things. We just say interesting things and sometimes things we shouldn't say. Um, yeah. you know, but, uh, Anyway, I, I was just thinking about things that happen at church. And this Sunday, we we received communion. We participated in the Eucharist. Uh, did you guys? Yes, we yeah. do pretty much every Sunday these days. Okay. We're one of those kind of churches. It, it's an interesting, to our cohort uh, that we have, our preaching cohort that we gather on Mondays, um, I had just sent a text message last week that said, hey, are you? Are we all with COVID? Uh, have y'all returned to intinction? Um, which is not a question you can just ask uh, a gen, uh, just a general population because they'll be like, I don't know what that in means. What, Shin? In what? Yeah. And so um, to just describe for you what intinction is intinction is when you walk up to the front of the sanctuary and uh, or to some station around the sanctuary where someone is holding bread and some and maybe a, a, a cup of, of wine or a cup of juice. And you tear off a piece uh, of bread and dip it in the juice, in the and then you and you eat it right there. And you might say something like, "This is." They may say that this is the body of Christ broken for you, and then this is His blood spilled for you, and receive it and be thankful, something of that nature. And then you you receive it and you say, "Thanks be to God," or "Thank you, Jesus," or whatever is customary in your congregation. And so, yeah, I was asking so you that saying that. I'm having some flashbacks because. Uh, Paula and I have, we've been re-watching the Big Bang Theory post-pandemic, and Sheldon Cooper has been a germaphobe since day one, and we're like, this is all of us now. Sheldon Cooper is all of us. We are all Sheldon but Cooper. pre-pandemic, some of our intention fails. I mean, to think about them now, just make you cringe, uh, because, you know, we're all concerned about germs. We're concerned about whose hands have been on what. How, you know, have they washed their hands? Have they sanitized their hands? And so in order to even receive the Eucharist now, we have to think through all the logistics of that. But before that, one of the funniest stories we had, uh, I was serving the Eucharist and I had one of my interns next to me 
And I always like to really just look the person in the eye. This is the body of Christ broken for you. So I had the bread that day and that, I was I was intent. Next person in line, right in the eye, because that's a powerful moment as a pastor. Yeah, get it share the grace of God with someone like this. Yes. We believe this is a gracious act where we actually receive the grace of God in a tangible way. And, and so I'm looking everybody in the eye and out of the corner of my eye, my kids are in middle school. I see the youth department laughing and dad, you know, dad starts to bow up a little bit and mm-hmm. look over at his boys and like, <clears throat> cut it, cut it right now. You know, that kind of pastoral mm-hmm. loving fatherly gaze. Well, so we keep going. And, and after the service, the, all the teenagers come up to me and they're like, Pastor Nate, we're sorry we were laughing, but we got to tell you what happened. So apparently this four-year-old girl comes up and I have handed her the body of Christ, you know, and I, so I'm intent on her. But then once she moves to the cup, I look at the next person. I don't see what she does. Well, she takes that piece of bread straight from my hand instead of dipping it in the cup she puts it in her mouth and eats it not knowing what to do with the cup then she decides that she's going to dip her two fingers down into the cup and slurp (laughs) juice off of it now pre pre pandemic that was funny post pandemic not so much so funny not so much at all so yeah gosh just you saying that made me think um, man, yeah. things have changed a lot. That and yeah, so that like- that reminded me of of Ruth Ann. Uh, Ruth Ann said uh, she came to church and she looks out and she goes, um, "Oh, I'm so glad we have snacks today." She's talking about because <laughs> all I've had to eat today That's is great. boogers, boogers and fingernails. That's, That's such a great story. And her mom died. Oh, she died laughing. I know I've told that before, but that you know the things love that it. it's come up with for for how this works. I know for Justin Martyr, it was a real, it was a real difficult thing to uh, uh, describe for uh, people living in, in Rome uh, and in the Roman empire, what a love feast was and what it was. Right. You've heard that we eat the body and and drink the blood of Jesus. Uh, It's not actually the body and blood of Jesus. This is a meal that's commemorative. This is, you know, Right. Yeah. The apologetics necessary to explain to a culture that didn't get this love feast, this Eucharist, this yeah, a communion. Well, early Christians were called cannibals at some points, from what yeah. I've heard. Yeah, that's uh, and they that's what he was. Flesh and drink blood. Yeah, and so it's just a really weird thing. Even if it is symbolic, and you understand that it is symbolic, it's still a bit strange to say. We're going to eat Jesus today. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) And yet it's so powerful. Like I was, I was teaching my class about the sacraments uh, just about a week ago. And I'm, I'm sitting there talking about the Eucharist and I said, man, I just got chills right now talking about it. And I look out and these, you know, juniors and seniors in college are just like, "Mm, they didn't have chills. They weren't like, this is terrible, but they just weren't like, we're not feeling the chills that you're feeling, Pastor Nate. Like, yeah. but, but just the symbolism there. And one of the things that's so beautiful about it, uh, we do believe it's more than just a symbol, you know, that we actually kind of experience grace. But I love that Jesus takes like tangible things because, you know, it's hard to wrap your mind around the spirit of God or, you know, the Trinity or whatever. But you, you can take a piece of bread in your hand 
and you can watch it be broken and you can understand this kind of breaking of the body of Christ, this kind of being poured out for another person. And then that actually is the shape the community is supposed to take. I think we missed that for so many years because we're such consumers in America. It was like, oh, we just come and eat this meal and it's for me. And and I even heard one of my friends that was cutting my hair said, yeah, I went to this church and I won't mention the church, but they gave us this little this little prepackaged deal and they gave it to us and they said, now you just go and take this. It's just between you and Jesus whenever you want. Oh, and I was like, no, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot yeah. do that because yeah. this symbol is a body of Christ. It's one body. That's why we like the one loaf and COVID has really hurt us on that. There's yeah. That's why we dip it in the one cup. There's been moments. But we are the broken body of Christ. When we go. Uh, yeah. Speaking about the broken body of Christ. Uh, there's been moments when, as a pastor, you might uh, take communion to someone who wasn't able to attend, maybe a shut-in or a, uh, someone who's in the hospital or something of that nature, and they couldn't be with us for some ex- extended period of time. And so you would bring them communion so that they could participate. Uh, but it's always an extension of, hey, we received communion at church this morning, and I wanted you to be a part of this. And so, yeah, so it's always, inclusive. Yeah, it's not. It, but it's but me. to just go off in your prayer closet and receive communion, uh, that that seems to be problematic. Uh, well, the word it, is common union. I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, it's in the name. Yeah, it's like our common union with God and each other. Yeah, I don't because know as we are commonly united with God, we become by the transitive property. Yeah. If um, a equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Isn't that the transitive property? You remember that stuff? Anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to remember it. I would have to if, write if it. We out are here. united to God. If I'm yeah. united to God and my brother's united to God, then yeah. we are united to each other in Christ. That's why in we Christ. say we're united in Christ. in Christ. Yeah. And we call each other brother and sister. Right. Or we right. used to. Now it just means you're old. Yeah. <laughs> if you call somebody brother so and so, they're like at least just, 70. Yeah. This is old. That's old English for. Let's bring it back, Michael. Yeah. Brother Nate, like brother to, uh, Michael, <laughs> it's good to see you today. It's at so church. good to see brother you. Michael. I don't know when I do that. I I almost want to do that with a with an accent though. Yeah, I almost can't just do it in regular my regular voice. I need my Southern Baptist accent or something <laughs> like because I'm from the South. I grew up yes in the South, and so oh, brother Nate, how are you today? So well, that's a little different. Yeah, that sounds that kind of fits though. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Seamus, shoot the sound <laughs> forward, Seamus. Forward. You have to shoot the sound forward if you're going to make that uh, that uh, accent work. That's but one the, thing I do not do in improv is accents. You don't do I accents. Know, I know my lane, man. Okay. The only accent I ever do is like a redneck, um, like <laughs> redneck, because yeah. I grew up in redneck country. And I can do, I can be like, y'all, y'all know over here. <laughs> we've been we've been fixing this tire for about 15 minutes yeah i didn't do that one i cannot do yeah i cannot do a british accent it always sounds australian so yeah yeah but <laughs> back to the brothers or jamaican part. do you ever accidentally do jamaican <laughs> yeah anyway i, I can we- do a little bit of jamaican but i won't try because i might just like insult the whole people <laughs> group <laughs> i, I accents uh, are not my thing yeah. I just, I just stay away from it. We're so I, far. I, yeah. How did we get to this? 
Because we said brother, and that brother. brought you to oh, that brought you to your Irish. Oh, brother, we're out there. We're out there. Yeah, I can't even say that. The, yeah, uh, so go ahead. No, I apologize. No, I was just going to say that family thing is something that I think needs to be reclaimed. Um, just reclaimed in the church, but also the the world needs it. Like we need that unity. We need to have some kind of union outside of ourselves. Uh, I keep talking about my puppy, but it's, it has been amazing to watch how people at our church have united over a little two pound dog, like how bringing that third thing in can really unite people. Oh yeah. I mean, think about Wordle, right? Like Wordle is this incredible online community. Like people are, are irate at the thought that the New York times might put it behind their paywall. They're like, how would yeah. you? Because they feel like, because it's not just now we got to make money off of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you do. You're in America, man. Yeah. We bought that so we could make money off of it. But, I, you know, it's a it's a crazy thought that they would, because people are irate. They're they're incensed because you're not just taking away a word game. This has become a community. Like I go to work or I go, I talk to my family or I, I talk to people. Did you do the wordle today? Right. Right. Like yeah. this has become a thing. I've never done a wordle. I'm one of those people who just rebels just you to just rebel. Refuse to do I will wordle. not do it because everybody else is doing it. Yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm going to tell you something about the wordle for me. Um, I like to wait until some point in the day where I'm not feeling very productive because it, it happens almost every day. I mean, almost every yeah, day. Yeah. There's always, there's got to be a lull. Some yeah. personality types don't have as much as me, but and, and <laughs> I got to have a lull. You're a, you're a nine. Be, Go, 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 go. Yeah. The nines need that. They need built in lull. Um, yeah. Where if I, if I feel like, and, and when I say it's, it's a non-productive, there might be something going on. Like it might be intense, but I just feel like it's not going to come to an end. There's no way I'm going to finish it today. I get to a frustrated point And then, so I'll sit down, I'll do the wordle. I'll complete the puzzle and I'll have some sense of accomplishment that there you go. then and if i can do it in less words in less tries than shelly does then i can hold that over her head for the day there so. you go that's all <laughs> that's all you really need yeah but it's not often because shelly's really good at, at at word puzzles so anyway yeah but well, you were saying you were saying people gather around a third thing like we yeah we we just at the drop that's of a hat we'll Father, form Son, holy spirit but we'll get into that in a different episode yeah we, <laughs> some of trinitarian i mean yeah. you know there's plenty of trinity in going on in the uh in the eucharist uh yeah there's this there's this sense that uh you know uh that it's all about jesus but there's really uh in a very ecclesiastical form the in a very churchy kind of form yeah. there's, there's this necessity for us to come together around uh jesus and uh and his brokenness and experience the Holy spirit through that connectedness of that, that one, that thing we're doing together. Right. Yeah. And so there's this connectedness between us because we received the Eucharist together. In scripture, there's this, there's these moments, um, 
especially in John, you, you think about um, the, actually this is in Luke, the, the road to Emmaus, right? That's Luke. Right. Yeah. yeah. In Luke and in John, but in both of those uh, gospels, there's this moment where they, the, the bread is broken and then they recognize who Jesus is. It's like this idea that they right. recognize him right. when the, the loaves and fishes uh, or when the bread is broken. And, and I think in John, maybe it's, he has bread and fish. And I don't think it says they recognize him then. But there's this kind of idea that God is present in that moment when the bread is in the breaking of the bread. Yes. Um, and, and so those the travelers on the way to Emmaus, um, they recognize Jesus in that moment when he breaks the bread, just like he did at the feeding of the 5,000 and some other times. So we believe that when we break that bread, that, that God is in our midst and we're able to recognize God in a new way. And Certainly. speaking of Trinity, at our communion table, we actually have Rublev's painting, an icon of the Trinity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's the three figures and they're kind of look like they're almost moving in a circular motion the way they've been painted. Mm -hmm. And then right in the bottom, uh, Richard Rohr kind of, yeah, they're, pointed me to the square and the square used to have a mirror, which said you're invited into this. Yeah. And right in the middle of the table is a communion cup on the, on the painting. So it's like, uh -huh. yeah. you are invited. So we have that right, right by our Eucharist and sure. people that, walk by. That's, that's something I wanted to talk about if we can is, is how things that happen in church, we're talking about things that happen in church. So many of them are intentional and maybe we as pastors haven't been as good about talking about the intention, like things from even why is the Eucharist generally the last thing in a service? Like why, okay. why does the service lead up to that? Right. Yeah. Why and is then, it a culminating point? Why don't we walk in straight into Eucharist? You know, like yeah, why do we yeah. walk into, you know, and there's a lot of questions about that. Like, why do we walk straight into worship uh, and, and, and singing songs? Why do we, you know, there, there's, yeah, uh, that's a good question. Why is Eucharist generally the culminating point of a service. Yeah. And, and I believe it's because it's the grace of God. You're receiving the grace of God. So you come in, you gather, you do all these other things we'll talk about in other times. The, the word is preached uh, or read and preached generally. Um, and then there's a time for response. And the response is you receive God's grace. Yeah. Uh, the I good news be, has been preached yes. and now you receive it. There's almost this sense that Having having sung praises, lamented, prayed, poured out our hearts to God, opened the Word of God. That there's now this sense what we say, um, I still want to participate in what you're doing in the world, God. And, right. And yeah. So this is my response. This is because that's really what we 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 eat the bread and drink the cup as an acknowledgement of our desire to be at one with God. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that that at oneness is only by his grace. And so it's this, and that's why the other word for communion, Eucharist just means to give thanks because what can you do with grace? Just give thanks. <laughs> that's you can't do you anything can do. to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We want to repay it. Don't we? Like, that's what I yeah. want to do with grace. You show me grace. Well, I'll show you grace, but how do you show God I'm buying grace? your lunch next <laughs> time, man? You bought my lunch. That's right. I've got right. some friends and we do that dance and it's fine. It doesn't uh -huh. bother me too much, but sometimes I'm, it's like we feel obligated because the other one bought last time that it's like, well, now I better buy this time. And I'm just as bad as anybody. I'm like, I can't let you keep buying my lunch. So I need to buy for you. Sure. Uh, but that's not grace. That's that's a reward system where, OK, I'm going to cover you if you cover me. And Jesus says, no, I have made you at one. 
Yeah, you can't do this yourself. Like so, that that's a question. That's thank you is about question. all you can say. Yeah. What that's are you gonna a, say? That's, that's a, a question that you that you have to ask uh when you're when you're receiving communion, when you're uh coming to receive the broken bread, the the poured out wine, um, the the body and blood of Christ. There's you're face to face with the question, what is it that Christ does for us that we cannot do for ourselves? And yeah. And that I think that's essential to what it to the Christian faith is we have to ask that question all the time and and, yeah. and, and come to a, come to conclusions uh, for every situation we're standing in. And maybe it's the same conclusion every time, but we need to be making that drawing that the connection as often as possible. And 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 Eucharist helps us do that. Uh, Thanksgiving helps us do that uh, in yeah, all its forms, but in communion, certainly. We were just talking earlier today about the first beatitude, and I think that's where it comes in. You have to know you're poor. You have to know that you don't you have really have anything to bring to this table. Right. That's right. I need you. I need you to do this for me because I can't do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very yeah. important. I love that old, uh, I think it was like, was it third day? Please take from me my life when I don't have the strength to give, give it, it away. away. Yeah. I love that song. Because yeah. I've felt that way before. Like, and I don't even have the strength to give you what you mm. need sometimes. I just need you to. Yeah. And, and scripture says the spirit groans for us and intercedes for us in those moments. Certainly. We don't have the strength. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and just everything about that meal, it's central because it is, it is this picture and a real live way to experience the grace of God. And that's why if you go to like a Catholic church or a more high church, like a more liturgical they have that you know kind of liturgy for the day it's all set out that you'll see that eucharist is right in the middle of the room and often the the place where the message is from is on the side yeah. it's to say this grace is the central thing here and then the message is even side now in the protestant church we kind of have uh, recaptured kind of the proclamation of the word is a very important part and so you'll see like at my church the podium's in the center, and so is the Eucharist right in front of, yeah. of the speaker, you know. Um, but all those little bitty elements that you probably never think about sometimes that our audience may not think about when they walk into a church, they're designed for a reason. There's yeah. a reason why I have Rublev's Trinity that invites you in sitting at the communion table. Like, that was thought through. It wasn't like, oh, this is a pretty picture. No, because it is. Yeah, I mean, it's fine, but it's not, it's not the prettiest picture by a long shot. But it is yeah. a significant, significant thing. I, I remember as a kid, even reading over and over, just throughout the service, I'd kind of lose, you know, focus and start looking around. And I you don't would know lose how, focus. Yeah, That's yeah. very hard for me to believe. You know. <laughs> uh, well, thank you uh, for for that <laughs> vote of confidence in my in my uh, focus. I'm I feel like sometimes the uh, that um, that dog on uh, up squirrel. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, uh, I need the shop collar to keep me back in line. Um, yeah. Is it a I, dog? Oh, and up. Yeah. In up, okay. In the movie. I up. was thinking of the squirrel that always chases the nuts on Ice Age. I have never watched all the Ice Age movies, but now I know who you're talking about. That. <laughs> okay. Well, I was very, I was very confused. I was seeing the wrong picture in my head. Seeing the wrong picture. My brain was just going, no, he doesn't say squirrel. My master, yes, my master is giving me this, this collar so yeah. that I may speak to you. Uh, squirrel, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it's a really funny part. Yeah. So 
in my in my drifting, oftentimes I would have a piece of paper and a pencil so that I could stay focused on that and hear what was going on. Even now today, I, if I'm ta- if I'm taking notes, I'm doing better than if I'm just looking around. But right. I, I remember over and over and over reading uh, on the front, the inscription on the front of that altar at the front, that yeah. table where the, where the Eucharist sat, where the communion elements were uh, reading, uh, do this in remembrance of me, you know, yeah. or, or on the, when they felt like, you know, Yoda quoting it like Yoda, they would say this do in remembrance. This do. Of me. Yeah. Yeah. And so remember that one. And I, I would always have to, I always read it and then think about why does it say that do this in remembrance. Yeah. Of me. And uh, just it's such a powerful thought uh, that we would forget. Could oh, we man. forget that he died? Could we forget I that think, he sacrificed himself? I think God knows better, us better than we know ourselves. Cause yeah. I think from week to week, we routinely forget oh, yeah. who we are. And, and, you know, in the old Testament, there were seven feasts and they were all just remember this, remember that <laughs> like it was, it, it was set up. So they remember, you know, Passover, remember when you were slaves in Egypt and God brought you out of Egypt. And, um, you know, they would say, uh, why is this night? Unlike other nights, you know, it's like, yeah. uh-huh. um, and tell the story. So, yeah. And then when they're going in the promised land, when you get in these houses, you didn't build and you have this, these vineyards you didn't plant. Do not forget the Lord. And so, yeah, I think God right. knows. Yeah. God oh, knows I, our, us. I forget what I preached the week before sometimes. Yeah, no, I, know, yeah. And then I'm mad at my people for not remembering. I'm thinking, <laughs> I have, don't even know. I had to confess to my folks this week that, that I often make uh, decisions like an atheist. Right. I don't even consult oh, God about I've, the decision. I've been, I've been guilty of that. Yeah. Like I, I, I remember when I discovered Brother Lawrence, I realized that most of my days were lived as an atheist. Like yeah. I would used to like do devotions in the morning and then I would just kind of disconnect and just do Nate's thing for the rest of the day, you know, and I was already a youth pastor at this point sure. and just practicing the presence of God for Brother Lawrence kind of reminded me that in every little minute of every little day, that that thing can be done to God, even if it's the washing dishes or moving chairs or whatever, because not all of pastoral work is super glamorous. Um, but, but yeah, that, that communion is, is one of the ways. And that's why when people are like, y'all do that every week, doesn't it become rote? I'm like, well, it can. Sure. I mean, you cannot care, but you know, that's like saying you eat every day. Doesn't it become rote? It's you know, <laughs> you, you've never said like, oh, this meal is really good. Yeah. Like, sure. There's some meals that you just kind of get through, I'm sure. Well, but there's days where that meal is like what you needed. Oh, yeah. There are sometimes when, when just just the 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 going through the motions, um, you know, re enlivens a thing. Uh, you can sometimes believe yourself into a new way of feeling. Absolutely. Even. Like, and you or know, act yourself into a new way of feeling. We've heard that. Otherwise. We've heard that before, you know, like do, do the consist, be consistent in your marriage, in your parenting, in your relationships, right. be consistent. Sometimes the most important phone call you make to a friend is the one you don't feel like making. Right. Right. Uh, and so 
sometimes you go to community and, and I remember being so worried all the time when I was a kid, like, I'm not into this today. I'm not really feeling the presence of God. And, and the apostle Paul said, do not drink, eat and drink condemnation upon yourself. And so I was like getting prepared while I was in line, right? Yeah. Oh God, please don't let me. Eat. And so then, then instead there was a of, lot of guilt with it when I was a kid. Yeah. Instead of Thanksgiving, I was in dread on my right. way to, to the front repenting of, you know, things I did that I didn't even know I did, you know, oh God, if there's some hidden sin that I don't even know I did, oh, would you please forgive me before I drink this condemnation upon my eat and drink? And I didn't even realize that Paul was saying, hey, listen, this isn't about getting fed. Like, yeah, don't it's jump about don't, you hogging all of it. Yeah. Don't get to the front of the line. Somebody else. Why didn't they preach that? Why didn't somebody tell me that yeah. when I was a kid, that this was about not being a hog, not, not, right. not taking more than your share. Right, that, taking that's all a the much bread better and leaving lesson. none for somebody else. Well, I always say it to my congregation because I'm always hoping there's new people there. But the only way you can, the only thing that we, we ask of people wanting to receive communion is they believe in what they're doing. Like they believe in that grace. Mm-hmm. But they're willing to receive it even for the first time. Sure. Yeah. Like there's John, no prerequisite. Yeah. John Wesley would call it a means of grace. He saw communion yeah, yeah. as a means of grace, you know, so that it wasn't like you don't have to have 30 years under your belt to come receive this. You, yeah. you, you can come for the very first time right now, and it can be a moment of salvation for you. I was about to say that could be your salvation moment. Yeah. And Wesley also said, uh, you know, you should receive it as often as possible. Yeah. So he wasn't one that was like, uh, once a month, once every <laughs> quarter. That's how it was when I was growing up. Yeah. We're going to oh. receive our quarterly communion because we only need the grace of God once a quarter. <laughs> I've had parishioners who were convinced that that was doctrinal. Like yeah. that was part of it. Like we only need this once a month. And and they felt that that was necessary and I I I didn't understand. I was like, "Why wouldn't?" You? And then one one time I had a husband and a wife and he was like, "You know, I grew up and we just took it once a month and I'm that's how I do it. That's how I feel it should be done." And then, and she's sitting right there at the table and she goes, uh, I'll take it as often as you'll offer it. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> and he was looking at her like, what? This is, and, and she was like. Opposites attract. Right? Yeah. They didn't, they didn't jive on this. But um, what was funny is every time we offered it, he would come and receive because. Yeah. But she, you know, her attitude on it had brought him around and it was just such a neat moment when he realized, oh, this is, this isn't ritual this is this is participation in in something holy yeah and and what i what i've come to realize uh there's a lot of scripture that's around the table because apparently a meal and sharing a meal is a holy thing and and there's an intimacy to that and i think sometimes with eucharist we've treated it we've talked about it for its efficiency right because most, you know, in church, you want to tell everybody, okay, so whenever you stand up, you're going to come down the center aisle and you're going to, and then we're giving instructions on right. how you're going to get back to your seat. And this needs to like be like an airline. And flight. we've got these little, we've got these little got cups. doors here. Yeah. We've got these little cups here and, and there's a ter- tear on the top. We pull out the wafer, we crack it and then you and then you drink the, the little cup and we've made it just as efficient as possible. When in fact, it's about intimacy and we've forgotten that efficiency and intimacy are at odds with one another. Yeah. Um, there's a story told uh, by uh, Rob Bell. I heard him say it years ago. He said, I went and I had a meal with this guy and he, he sat down 
Um, and he told the waitress when she came to the table, she said, can I get you something? He said, yeah, what I'd really like to happen is, could you bring us something to drink? And then in about an hour, come and get our, our order, because we really, uh, we're here to get to know each other. And he said, in that moment, I felt like, wow, this guy really wants to get to know me. He doesn't, this, we're not here to have the meal. We're here to be together. Right. Yeah. And the, and he said, there's nothing efficient about any of that. Right. And, and if you do that, of course, you probably should leave a bigger tip. Just, can I just say, right. yeah. You're just taking to, up the table for too long. Taking their table for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I just thought that was interesting that, that sometimes we treat the table like it's about efficiency when it really ought to be about a, an intimate uh, getting to yeah. know one another, right. you know. And if you think back right now, you could probably think of a time at a table where you learned more than you bargained for about somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of what I do is sit across tables from people because I know that there are things that I'm going to learn there and things that I'm going to appreciate um, that I would never get to know if we were, you know, like at a movie or something. That, speaking of table, one thing we haven't even mentioned in this whole idea of communion or the Eucharist is that it really is a, a picture of the, the feast of the lamb, you know, like, I mean, that great banquet that's mentioned all through scripture. And, and, you know, there's the parable where the people that were supposed to come didn't come. And then, you know, the master says, bring whoever you can get, you know, bring them in here and let them, there, there's food at my table. It yeah. needs to be shared. And so, yeah, there is that image of kind of the kingdom of God in this whole thing that we are right. sharing in a meal uh, we are sharing in the the feast, the banquet uh, of Christ. You know, it's certainly a picture of inclusion, isn't it? When we think, yeah, about this, uh, yeah. you know, and and we don't get to like we try, but Jesus is a y'all come kind of God, right? Yeah, it's not a it, there's y'all come. And, yeah, well, uh, and that's why we always say that we, you know, the or for me, the the greatest fear is to ever run out of the elements. <laughs> like there better be enough for everyone. Oh yeah. There needs to be more than enough and it needs to be of good quality. That those are my rules. I've heard that before. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've heard your rules before. Have you heard my rules before? I heard them repeated from your daughter not too long ago. Yeah. Oh so yeah. You have trained her well. <laughs> well, you that, know, that was one thing I actually just heard Rob Bell say. Um, I went to his, he had a show here just this weekend and he said, Parents are asking him these questions about how do we make sure our kids are, and he's like, are your kids with you when you're doing this, these things? Are they going to be in the small groups? Are they, you know, they, they're going to see their parents yeah. working it out. You don't have to have it figured out. No. So your daughter has picked up on your views of <laughs> communion. I don't think you sat down with her and you said, Hey, honey, here's the deal. This, these are the things about communion. You know. Now you need to get your iPad out and take notes. But no, she just heard you say it over yeah. and over. Oh, yeah. And just repetition. Most, yeah. yeah, most things are, are, are picked up from being in the room, not from a lecture. Um, even, yeah. when, even when the lecture is given, uh, it, it doesn't matter as much as the repetition or, or the consistency oh, yeah. of doing those things. And, and or if I you think say probably one thing my. Do another. The, yeah. <laughs> The most beautiful thing for me, uh, 
is after a service, after a worship service, after a gathering of the church where we've received communion together. Um, and, you know, we've, whether it was intinction back in the day where you tore off a piece of the loaf, uh, I would get King's Hawaiian loaf and uh, you'd tear off a piece. Oh, yeah, that's too. It'd be wrapped in flour sacks, you know, and so that, you know, there's some hygiene. <laughs> so, you right. know, the, the, you wouldn't just hands all over it. Um, so that the, if you touched it, you took the piece you touched with you. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and watching those leftover loaves sitting on the table. And now during COVID, uh, we've got individually wrapped uh, Kings Hawaiian rolls, right? They're, they're in baggies. And, uh, and well, that's watch, better than what we're doing. We're doing the make communion. It's driving me crazy. So. Yeah. I, this week we just, I had Michelle, uh, my associate, I just had her take, we, we put, uh, cups all over the communion table and, uh, empty cups. And then, uh, she took crafts of, uh, of grape juice and poured them out. Um, there you go in there and people received it. And then, uh, the, so, but whenever there's leftovers, I love it when the kids come up after service and say, can we eat the leftovers? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, please. And you got kids walking around with big hunks of bread. Eating oh yeah. Leftovers. So Cause that's it's good stuff. Fun. Yeah. Sounds like there's my- someone at my door though. And I've got to go answer that. So this has been a good conversation. Thanks Nate. All right. Well, Hey man, I love you. And, uh, We'll keep talking about stuff we do in church this year. It'll be All right. fun. Love right. you too. Take care. See you. All right. Bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.